Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 51 of the J Situation Podcast. I'm recording this on February 23rd, 2021. Man, I hope everyone in Texas has thawed out from the cold. <laughs> that was a wild one. That was crazy, right? I tell you what, not pleasant, not a fan. Did not enjoy that. Um, well, it, it wasn't so much the cold that I didn't enjoy. It was the infrastructure issues that we had that was a problem for me. Uh, definitely was not ideal for productivity. <laughs> uh, I know a lot of uh, folks did fare worse than I did. Some folks had, you know, pipe damage and stuff like that. I didn't have any of that, um, but uh, did lose some time. Time is something that uh, they don't seem to be making any more of. So, but that's okay. Uh, all safe and sound. Um, we are still experiencing some uh, knock-on effects or, you know, follow-on effects from from that stuff. So I think, you know, be patient with folks in Texas. Uh, it, it's been slow. In fact, the parcel delivery has been incredibly slow. I just got a UPS delivery today that I, I know I should have got probably at the beginning to middle of last week. And then I've had postal service stuff that I don't know where it is. And that's a little concerning. <laughs> so I'm going to have to start filing some claims soon, I think, but I'm going to give it a couple days. You know what I mean? So again, I hope everyone is doing all right. Uh, it was definitely warm outside today, which is of course, exactly what happens in Texas and what we are used to. Uh, uh, you know, we are used to uh, immediate warmth following blizzards you know that's i mean that's well we're not used to blizzards but you get my drift you know wild weather swings are kind of what we're used to you know the weather is not something you can always count on but something you can count on is that the j situation podcast is brought to you by pew science <laughs> pushing the silencer industry forward one test at a time visit pewscience.com for the suppression rating the simplest and most accurate hearing safe ratings for your suppressed small arms you know, when I say hearing safe ratings, I mean that, you know, it, it, you know, we can talk about that really quick. The suppression rating is it's in section five of the silencer sound standard. Okay. Now, the suppression rating is going to give you objective information on likely hearing damage thresholds for weapon systems. Okay, this is based on a lot of modeling and test data, all right? And so that that's a number that you'll be able to compare. And if you're new to the Silencer Sound Standard, and if you're new um, to Pew Science, uh, that's, that's just totally fine. Um, the, the, the website is there as an educational tool. Um, the suppression rating is fully described in Section 5 of the Silencer Sound Standard on pewscience.com. So you can go there, check it out. If you have any questions, you can reach out at any time. You know, the whole standard, what it does is it walks you through gunshot noise, and it's sort of like Wikipedia, but it's cooler because it's about silencers. So, you know, grab a beer and read it. <laughs> there, there are seven parts. There are actually seven parts in it now. They're all on the website, pewscience.com, for you to read. If you haven't dug into it, it's it's fine. It's, it's long, and that's okay. You don't have to read the whole thing. You can skip directly to Section 5 to get a handle on what the suppression rating is. And uh, it, it lets you know how silencers stack up in comparison to one another with regard to sound at the muzzle and at the shooter's ear. Okay, and like I said before, it does give you a hearing safe dose limit, estimated, you know, for the particular platforms on which they're tested. So you're not going to find this information anywhere else in the world. 
In section six, if you really want to dig into stuff, all the reviews for all the tested silencers that are in the public repository are there right now. Anything that we've released publicly is located there in section six. Um, if that's too much for you and you just want to have a summary and see real quick how stuff stacks up in, in comparison, in section seven, there is a rankings section and there's a rankings table and you can go in the suppression rating table there and sort it's a database tool um, you know you can view all the suppression ratings of the of the publicly released test data and there are links there if you see something you like you click on the link it'll take you back to section six and you can look at the review for the for the individual silencer you, you want to see okay all right so you know, go wild now as always if you are a manufacturer or you know if you would like to use PewScience for private testing and consulting services if you have a project for us if you have a need if you have some kind of problem you would like us to solve for you there is a form on the website with which you can submit that inquiry your contact information and you know all the test data or other products that we uh, deliver to you uh, would you know they're going to be held in strict confidence that's your stuff you know unless you want us to release it on the website in which case hey yeah man totally release your data for you if you'd like it's your data tell us you know we generated it we know it's right we will be happy to put it on the website you'll stand by it so now you can see we, we've done it for a couple of manufacturers so far um you go to the website and check that out sometimes i get inquiries from manufacturers and they say oh, how can i do that i say oh just go to go to request for quote right there on the website okay you can support this podcast pew science and our testing by joining at pewscience.com with a membership. You know, if you, you can do that as an individual, you can even do that as a manufacturer. Um, if you just wanna throw your hat in the ring and, and help keep keep this going, you you don't, and if you're a manufacturer, you don't have to contract with us. If you wanna support us, you can just join with a membership. And if you don't wanna do that, that's fine too. There are, all the reviews are free on the website. Anyone can read them, but you know, support does help. You can let people know by spreading the word. You can, you know, write the podcast, do all kinds of stuff. All that stuff, I think, goes a long way to helping the state of practice. Spreading information, you know, educating people, that's pretty good, I think. Okay, so five topics for you today. Oh, man, it's it actually is. This has been an insane day, and it's only Tuesday. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get this done in around an hour. I'm not gonna make any promises, but I got, a lot, I got a lot to talk about. Actually, you know what? Part of the reason why I was a little delayed is because I just I just did some in-depth analysis right before the podcast because I wanted to be absolutely sure about something I'm gonna tell you today and not like have to say, oh, just kidding, later. So it is late because I have some technical difficulties today too with some other stuff, but I got five topics. First topic, sound signature review 636. The Griffin Armament Explorer EX3, or also known as the Explorer 300. Um, kind of an interesting model designation there for that silencer. Uh, we'll talk about that review. Topic two, back pressure metric research update. The revision two methodology. This is big. This is a big deal. Um, rugged rifle silencer case study in there too. So all that stuff, that back pressure metric research update, and you know with the Rev2 methodology and that, that rugged rifle silencer case study, that's all in the Griffin review. I just put it all in one article. So we'll, we'll go through that too. Topic three, sound signature. Is it subjective? Probably not really, no. Topic four, the AAC Illusion 9. Yeah, this thing is wild. It's a wild silencer. 
If only my SIG P210 barrel would arrive. <laughs> Topic five. Welcome new Pew Science members. Thank you for your support. Okay. Topic one. At a time of... Let's see. You got eight minutes and 13 seconds. All right. Okay. Topic one. Signature Review 636. The Griffin Armament Explorer EX3. Okay. Yeah. So the Griffin Armament Explorer... It, it it's spelled for those of you who don't use the visual element and you know read the the reviews or go to the website um the explorer the word explorer the model name is spelled e x p l o r r so there's like two r's there there's not another e um and so, and I know it's just the name, all right? I just, yeah. I mean, it's just, you, you, you'll say it and you're like, explorer, <laughs> I guess it's like, I just, I'd just be remiss if I didn't mention that. Because it's like, I don't want someone to say, hey, they go to the website and they're like, why did, Jay misspelled the word explorer like 1,200 times. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, trust me. I wrote it 1,200 times. Okay? Trust me. Okay. Um, the really crazy thing about evaluating the silencer is that I actually shot it several years ago, before I started Pew Science, actually. Um, I, was, I, was, I was just getting started in the silencer industry, trying to find like in, in, in the firearms industry in general, kind of try to find my path. And like, I knew I wanted to help. I knew I wanted to make a contribution to the industry, but I didn't really have a strong feel of how I was going to do it yet. So I was kind of investigating like how, and I, and so I, I got a little bit involved with some marketing stuff with different companies. And I got involved with marketing with some distributors and I felt like, you know, that started going to the shows and stuff, trying to understand, you know, just how things work and in one of those experiences i was able to shoot this silencer on a semi-automatic ar-15 and I, I i saw it shot on a couple weapons actually you know what i actually shot this on one of my own personal ars i shot it on a 10 and 10 and a half inch piston a superlative arms piston gun that I built a while back, which is an obnoxious gun. It's super loud. Um, but it's, it was just like an experiment and someone else in the industry at the time, actually a, a very well-known uh, designer at a, a sensor manufacturer or at a sensor company, he told me that he really liked the stuff. And so I tried it and I, I haven't used it since. It's, I think it's a piece of garbage. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just think pistons are a waste of time uh, in, in most guns. Uh, I mean, I think you can have good implementations of pistons, but anyway, uh, but I digress. Let's not, let's not get into that right now. Anyway, I shot the silencer. I shot the Explorer EX3 on it and it loosened on the mount. And I think I told you guys that of like on a couple of the early podcasts, I, I told you guys that on, Several podcasts, actually. So 
I just wanted to, it was a taper, it's a taper mat, right? So I wanted to, I'll get into that a little later, but I wanted to set the stage because I wanted you to, to tell you that I, you, if, if there's a Griffin silencer you heard me talking about before, it was this one. It was, it was actually this exact silencer. Okay. Um, I just haven't mentioned it by name a lot because I don't like saying it. Um, so what is the Explorer EX3 or Explorer 300? It's a one and a half inch diameter tubeless 30 caliber silencer. Okay. That's right. It's actually, it's a pseudo normal diameter, right? It's, it's one and a half inches, but it tries to get the most volume it can for the length, uh, which is relatively short. And it does that by using a tubeless design. The baffles are sort of like stepped and notched cones. So if you look inside the silencer, either from the blast chamber end or the exit aperture, you can just make out these notched ports. They're, they're like little rectangular slots machined near each baffle orifice, near the center orifice. It's very interesting. They're really close to the primary flow path. It's it's a weird, it's weird. Like you you do not see this a lot. It, it's just, I don't, I actually don't know why they did it. Um, I, I can't figure it out. Um, but I, I'm not a silencer designer, so I could be missing something. Um, it's about 6.4 inches long, six and a half inches long. Um, so it's it's really compact. You guys need to, to put this in perspective. If you haven't seen it, go go to my Instagram or Facebook, the J situation on both or Pew Science LLC on both. Look at the last last week's review post. I think it was on Friday, right? Yeah, I, th I think it was on Friday. Yeah, because everything was like a delayed a day because of the storms. Um, so if you if you haven't seen it, go there. And what I do, when, what, what I try to do, I haven't always done it, but what I try to do when I post a, si a picture of a silencer, I put the cartridge on which it's it or with which it is tested next to it so that you can see an idea of scale. So I put like a 7.62 by 51 round right like a cartridge meaning the bullet and the casing it's like the whole thing not just a piece of brass not just a bullet it's it's the whole cartridge and i put it right there next to it um so you can see that this is a this is a silencer small and it's not you know everyone talks about oh k can k k k k you know k kurtz for german for short they're saying k this is a k can this is a k can it's a marketing thing okay remember don't and I'm gonna have to do it. I know people have been asking me for for to put length length on the dang table in section seven of the standard, and I think I'm gonna have to do it simply because. And you know what? I might do. I might do it without the mount, and and that way, like like for example, like you know what I mean, like a bear, like the as it comes, and that way. People can see just in general, and I'll put a disclaimer that this is without the mount. If you want to have the actual length, you better go look, and then maybe that covers me and helps you. You know what I mean? Because I don't like I said before to you guys, I didn't want to like confuse you, but I'm telling you what, this is a small freaking silencer, dude. This is a small silencer, and so I wanted to, and I know I keep saying that, I know I'm harping on this, but I I do not want you to think this is a big silencer. And because it's small, I want you to keep that in mind when we talk about its performance. Okay? Okay. So, it mounts directly to the taper mount muzzle devices from Griffin. These are essentially like 
other taper mount muzzle devices. They're pretty similar, you know, in, in concept, okay? Conceptually, they work very similar to other taper mounts. But the threads are in front of the tapered interface instead of behind. Like a couple of other, and it, it is odd because it there is no reason to do that. I don't know why you would do that. It doesn't seem, it just doesn't make sense to me, like mechanically. Um, and I've spoken about why that is, you know, and, and people do get upset with me a lot. I don't I don't know why. People get upset when I call this out, uh, like odd, when I say, well, this is odd. They're like, well, uh, no, it's not. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay, well, you know, you will get fouling in the threads, and there's, like, why can't you just put the, a taper in the front? Then you see it on the taper, and you thread, like, I don't, it's like, what? Anyway, like Thunderbee stuff. Really light and fairly quiet silencers. And they have the taper like in front of the the taper behind the threads. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> I don't know. He's like, hey, I'm not a design. Look, I'm not. I'm not the silencer designer. The thing is, like I said, I and I said this in the review. If you clean this mount, it'll be okay. So don't get too don't get too worried about it. I'm just saying, like, why do that? Just an opinion. Um, the total weight with the little two, you know, I tested with a little two port brake that I don't think you can get anymore. I reached out to the manufacturer. They told me they don't even make it. I said, okay, well, it's called the two port Paladin brake. They said it doesn't exist, but there's a picture of it on my, on my social media. You can go look there. Um, the total weight with that thing is 15.3 ounces. Okay. So a little bit less than a pound with amount. So, you know, it's small, it's made of steel, so it's not gonna be super light. Um, seems to be pretty durable. That, yeah, I haven't done a torture test on the thing, but I don't think it's going to blow apart or anything like that. Welds seem pretty stout. Seem definitely have a pretty big weld bead in it uh, on this, uh, in, you know, between the steel baffles. Um, you know, haven't inspected that. It's, you know, it's not the heaviest silencer. It's not the, it's not the lightest silencer. Not terrible. It's just it's pretty small. You know, having, having handled a ton of 30 caliber silencers lately and over the past year, I really thought to myself, man, this should just, you should just put this on a 5.56. You know, Griffin, they offer a 5.56 version of the silencer and a 6.5 version. So I think I would just use this one on a 5.56. You know, maybe, maybe the 6.5 version is good on 6.5. I don't know. Haven't tested it. Um, you know, just as a note, and so, something that I, I will eventually talk about because I'm going to release data, um, 6.5 Creedmoor is easier to suppress than 308. And I have noticed that in my testing, which you're going to see. I have also noticed it uh, in reports from consumers, and I have no, I have reached out to manufacturers and asked. And I was ta- I was actually talking to Kevin at Q the other day um, about six point five and eight and about how, just just how much quieter you can make it. It's weird, and we were just talking about why we thought that was and stuff. But um, yeah, I can't. I don't know. It's like 
I, you know, it, the thing about 6.5 Creedmoor is it's like, dang, S since now I shoot a 308 fix and it's such a light gun and the recoil is like super noticeable, I kind of want to change my barrel to 6.5 Creedmoor because now I'm like, oh, I can get less recoil and I can get quieter and I can probably still kill things like pretty much the same kind of probably maybe. Okay. I don't know. I mean, good ammo. You probably able to kill. I mean, I'm still using Walmart Federal 150 grain Power Shock 308. Kill every deer on my wall because I'm a fud. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So Griffin Explorer, they have a bunch of different versions. I tested the 30 caliber. So how did it do? How did it do in performance? Let, uh, let's just get straight to it. Overall suppression rating 27.5. Okay, so not that high. Um. It's pretty loud. Actually, this silencer was pretty loud. And I am, when I say that, like, I'm not just talking mess. Like, this is an interesting phenomenon that I really have dug into recently because I, I just need to understand what's going on. It's... I mean, what, what makes this silencer loud? Let me, um, let's, you know what I'm going to do? I think this would be a good exercise for me and for you. I'm going to go to the website. I'm going to go to the ranking section, section seven. I'm going to scroll down to the table and let it load. Boom. It's loaded. Okay. All right. This is one of those silencers. This is one of those silencers you are really going to need to look at the muzzle and the ear ratings. Okay, guys? I, I put those there for a reason. I'm telling you it's important. Okay, for sure. Go to the ranking section. Okay. I'm going to walk you through it right now. So I'm going to sort the table. I'm going to scroll down. What I'm going to do is first I'm going to go to 308. So I'm going to click on ammunition. And I'm going to go... To supersonic 308, I'm going to hit the only button. So that makes only supersonic 308 results on the table. Okay. Now I'm going to go to the, I'm going to scroll down further to the to the overall composite suppression rating. And I'm going to click it twice because I'm going to sort it ascending. So the lowest is going to be on top. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, the lowest suppression rating is going to be on top, which means the loudest is on top. The loudest system is on top. Okay. So the loudest overall system is the rugged radiant in its short configuration dude holy guacamole is that loud like oh my god it's like when i tell you the short configuration of the rugged radiant is useless like i'm using a little bit of hyperbole because obviously it's not useless but dude it is almost useless when i like y you it is not a good day for you shooting that like I mean, okay, actually, on a bolt gun, when it's pretty far away from your ear, it's still loud, but it's not crazy. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know what's really, I mean, okay, and <sighs> it's, it's like, because at the muzzle, it's basically, it's, it's actually a little quieter than the same NK at the muzzle, but that's really loud too, so anyway. <laughs> It's incredibly loud. 19 at the ear, which is not good for you. <laughs> it's, not, it's not good for you. It's a loud day for you. Um, 
you know, it's not, you know, but you know what's even louder at the ear? You know what's even louder at the ear on a bolt gun? Is the Surefire 7.62 RC2 when you use a war comp. Um, that's 17.80 at the ear. Is that the loudest at the ear that we even have on the chart? Yes. Yeah, because the 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 sure the the surefire the, the war comp that that's literally a shockwave a year and that's why it's seventeen point eight because I like I said when I tested that I felt the blast wave on my face, both loud. Okay, back to the point. So the Explorer EX three it's sitting at twenty seven point five, um, composite rating. Okay, very similar in rating to the Resonator K from YHM, which is 27.4, okay, of oh, the overall rating, very similar, if you just look at the overall rating, you're like, huh, overall rating is pretty similar, okay, okay, well, let's look at the numbers, the, e the, the, the EX3 is 23 at the muzzle, it's quieter than the Resonator K is at the muzzle, by quite a bit. Okay, so one meter left, for some reason, one meter left, this thing is not having as severe a sound signature as the human ear. Like right adjacent to it. Okay. That that's just that's that's for some reason. Okay, now. To the shooter on this whole on this host weapon, the rolls flip, and this was weird. Um, in this case, the the EX three is twenty four point nine, so basically it's twenty five at the ear, and the Resonator K is twenty seven. So they're similar at the ear, but the Resonator K is quieter. The Resonator K is quieter at the ear, not by a lot, but by a little bit, right? But the Resonator K is way louder at the muzzle. Way louder at the muzzle. All right? So it's, so it's super interesting. It's super interesting about how that works. And why is that? Well, it's all about timing and frequency. And the suppression rating cares about all that. Because your ears care about that. And I actually looked into this a, a little at first and a lot. Um, and I did mention it in the members version, the, the members version of this review for the silencer. When you examine the impulse waveforms, uh, let me open that and go, I don't want to misspeak about something. Go to the members version of the review really quick. Yeah. Okay. Peacehunts.com. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to scroll down to the year chart so I can, oh my God, this thing's so wild looking too. It's like, what is happening in this waveform? I don't know. Um, yeah. Strange, strange oscillation in the EX3 data in impulse space. Um, just really wild. Wild. Um, and if you look at the... And now that I think about it, when I look at the pressure data at the ear... I mean, there are just these swings, like, oh, I don't know what it's doing. It's like, and what is it, at the time of around 
30.6 milliseconds. Yeah. Stuff just goes crazy. This is app and this is after so this is I know the people that are not Pew Science members can't see these plots. And it's when we look at ear waveforms, we're looking at we can see when the when the weapon we can see the sound before it leaves the system to the ear because your your ear your ears when, when the ear mic is you know six inches away from the shooter's right ear so he's sitting there on the on the on the bolt action rifle with his cheek on the stock right there you know and he that mic is picking up reflections and it off the head but it's picking up these waveforms coming back before the before the gas even gets out of the silencer because the combustion of 308 is so severe in that gun so you're always going to see that but after that happens, and this is why I know it's and this is why I know it's the silencer causing this and not the the host. Okay, and th and this is why P Science uses full waveforms, guys. Like I, oh, don't get me started. This I don't know if it was this weekend or this week or something. Uh, it was a whole. This is why I know it, it's the silencer. When you look at it, okay, and I, I'm gonna call it out, and you members can go look, look at it. In the data, uh, the major weapon impulse, uh, the major silencer impulse at the ear starts around 30 milliseconds. And from 30 milliseconds, about 0 0.6 milliseconds afterward, that stuff will peak at the ear. And then you get these swings, dude. And if you look in the, and if you look at press in the pressure space in figure 5B for the members, you see a wild, I'm talking, I mean, you're, you're talking amplitudes. It's just swinging. And it's like, and I overlaid shot one and two. It happens on both. And they're like, oh, they're like picture perfect overlays, which means that this is not an anomaly. Understand? This is why I look at all the waveforms. This is why I, I, I am so careful with testing. I, and I, everything's in the setup. Everything's in, in, the, in the software. Everything's in the instrumentation. Everything's calibrated. Like I'm going, I'm going ham. And I'm when I see waveforms overlay like this, perfectly text textbook shock oscillations like this, I'm like, okay, I know this is not a data anomaly. I know it's not noise. I know it's not um, the the ammo. I know it's not the gun. I know it's not the shooter. I know it's not the mic. Like I know, I know this data is right. And so I. When you, so you see the pressure, and then when you, when you look at the impulse, the pressure oscillations are so long duration and so big from peak to trough that when you look at the impulse, the impulse waveforms oscillate because you're still in the positive phase. If you are oscillating positive phase impulse because you're swinging pressure that at that that much frequency different or i'm sorry amplitude differential in and in what i would call relatively high frequency i mean of course it's it's not as high as some of the early oscillations so it's it's when you're doing that something's happening with the gas flow of the silencer the only way to explain this is pressure time and inflow through the silencer okay so it's the silencer it's not the ammo it's not the gun it's not the shooter 
same test up same test up the resident k dude dude actually the resident k and the explorer x3 i mean not that this matters but like they were tested like within like probably 15 minutes of each other okay so i mean i'm talking it couldn't be more it couldn't be more comparable all right now this is the first time i've seen this before in any of the the um, 308 uh, bolt action 308 tests, I've never seen I've never seen this, and I I plotted, you know, so last night okay so last night I've done a couple things, just to be sure, last night I or two nights ago I plotted the resonator K and the EX3 data on the same plot in impulse space at the ear, and just just to look at it because I was like. Let me just, I know I've looked at them. Let me look at them on the same plot. Let me see if I'm crazy. And the Resonator K actually has a higher amplitude. But it has a shorter decay time and it's not as erratic. Okay, it's weird. Um, and with the Griffin silencer, it's like the waveforms at the ear. It's like, you know what's almost happening, guys? It's almost like the waveforms want to start rarefaction, but they don't. Like they, they're pulsing. It's like... It's like this gas comes out and it's like wow 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 wow. It's like it's like this weird like just weirdness and I don't know what it is. And you can see you can sort of see it in the muzzle impulse waveforms too, which is wild. Like when I scroll up to those, I can sort of see it there. You'll notice, and everyone can see this in the public review. If you look at figure four, so figure 4A and 4B, if you go there to the review, uh, review 636, the public review there, um, you see it reaches peak positive phase impulse like super quick. And then it dumps super quick, but then it hovers. And you're like, what is it doing? Why is that hovering there? And then it dumps again. You're like, okay. Like, what is it doing? Like, gas comes out of the the Explorer, like, really quick. And then something's like, it's like, it's like, it like does something. In, it's like shaping, it's shaping the flow in a weird way. It's some kind of weird jetting. And I don't, I almost wish I had some kind of like superhuman, like, I don't know. how. I don't even know how you would, well, you use Schlieren imaging is what you would do probably that's probably what you would do i gotta talk with um what's his name at uh smarter every day i i talked to that guy he's cool um we should like what do they call it now that's a collab no i need to go to i need to go hang out with that dude but um devin is, is that his name can't remember off the top of my head um anyway he he used to he used to work uh, for nasa he's a, he's a nice guy um something is off here with the silencer and I don't think that the hovering of impulse is long it hover it, I don't think it's long enough in time to make a difference to trump the amplitude reduction it enjoys over the resonator K um Which is weird. Now, let me. Let, uh, that's really complicated. What I just said. Let me. Let me 
clarify that. So what if you took the integral of the impulse curve and then you compared the amplitude and the positive phase duration? I was thinking there might be a rule set for that. I don't know. Uh, there might not. It might be barking up the wrong tree. I think you might be be chasing your tail when you do this because I don't know. Like I was thinking, if you do, if if the positive phase of the double pressure integral outweighs the response to the constant time duration, you're probably louder. But if you have a longer positive phase duration in the double integral, you may be louder with a lower amplitude. It's super complicated, and I have to do the math. And also, I need to look and make sure check the units because it you could get you could really run away from yourself doing this and lose reality because frankly yeah uh, it's not real quantities it's not doesn't make sense like double double time integral of pressure what does that even mean so um and a surface integral like is yeah electrical engineers would do that I, I don't think you would do that i don't this doesn't make sense to me I, I can't think. I think I can't think quickly off the top of my head without to represent physically. So I'm like, ah, I don't want to start doing that. Like that's a little bit. I, I know it's getting into some higher math, but it's like, ah, it's really just calculus. So I was like, I don't. I don't know. I right now I've look, I've I um. I don't know. It's just jetting that's not good. It's louder theory. So, you know, you may be asking yourself, well, what do you mean? What do you mean it has longer duration? It's like, well, yes and no. You know, the muzzle waveforms seem to have pretty pretty similar positive phase duration to that of the resonator K. Pretty similar. But the rise time to peak impulse is faster, so it gets there faster. And so not only does it get there faster, but the speed at which it gets there is faster. So it starts to K faster. So gas seems to be flowing through the EX3 faster than through the resonator K, theoretically. Okay. Okay. Um, and we'll go into that later. Um, now, I also, right before this podcast, I and that's another reason I'm running behind, is because I spent about an hour looking through some in-depth hearing modeling of this thing, trying to see, like, are we... In fact, I'm going to look at... I'm going to pull that up right now so I can tell you exactly, exactly what it showed. This is like really rough, but um, uh, yeah, it's like all like there's no no okay. So basically, the Griffin silencer at the ear at on average compared with the resonator K, it seems to have a little bit. It seems to it seems to excite the human ear. A little bit more in the in the higher frequency range, a little bit, um, but not in the like when you get really high frequency, it's the resonator actually has more response to, uh, um, or it excites more ear response. Interestingly enough, but in this weird zone where the where the it's where the ear is the most sensitive. Where the ear is the most sensitive, the explorer is the worst. It's like, it's almost like the explorer is... It, I mean, you'd almost look at it. If you look at the math, you're, you're almost like they engineered the perfectly loud silencer. Like if I was going to make a loud 308 silencer, I'd 
don't know if I could make a louder one that was the size of theirs without just removing baffles. Because it does something that's just bad for the human ear. You're not going to see this by looking at the peaks. It's just something's wrong with it. And I don't know why. And it's like, is my silencer broken? Like, I looked in. I used a borescope, dude. I had a borescope. I was on my desk with a borescope looking through this thing. I was sending pictures to people. I was like, hey, have you ever seen a... Hi, guys. Um, I'm Jay. And it's like, seriously, like, I was like really working hard, too. And like, it was it was that day that I was also working on the back pressure metric revision, too. And so I was... You know, I was looking through this and I was sending the borescope pictures to people and people were like, huh, that's weird. I was like, yeah, I was just, I was all in with this thing. I don't know. That's all I got, guys. I mean, for right now, I, I don't know. The thing's loud at the ear and I'm still learning why. Something to do with the gas jetting. The ear modeling is pretty clear. I mean, I, I ran it twice. Um, I don't know. I mean, and the waveform, the waveform anomalies are just, I mean, visually, visually, like that's the thing. It's like there's, there's anomalies in the data. There's anomalies in the. Uh, okay, I'm not saying it's not an anomaly because it's 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 an outlier. There's outliers in the visually in in the plots in the waveforms. There's there's outliers numerically in the ear modeling. And there are physical outliers in the baffle characteristics in the silencer if you look at the baffles and you see the cuts in the near the center orifice. So I might I might just have to post pictures of that. I talked to Griffin. I said, hey, Griffin, your silencer has a high flow rate. Um, and it's pretty much, yeah, it's quieter than the same NK. And they said, thank you. And... Um, I asked him. I said, "Hey, I think it's all. I think it's because of the, you know, the bat, the, the. I think it's because of the the ports, and the baffles." And they said, "Yeah, it's patented." I said, "Well, okay, but um, it's uh, I think that's what it, why it flows. I think that's what the flow's coming from. I think so. Anyway, enough about." all the nerdy stuff. What does this all mean in practicality? In practicality, it means the EX3 is small, light, somewhat durable, simple, and pretty loud to the shooter on this host. Okay? If you're wearing ears, different ball game. In fact, in fact, yeah. I mean, if you're wearing ears, dude. Excuse me. I guess if you have this silencer and you're going to use it for hunting or something, eh, you're probably okay. But you'd probably be well served to wear some hearing protection if you're going to shoot it much, I think. Is it is it super durable? I mean, probably more durable than some titanium silencers like a Nomad TI, I would say. If, like, if you want to have a peg point, yeah, I think probably. It's steel. It's probably going to be... It's heat treated, too. It's You're not going to break the... You're probably not going to break it. I mean, with reasonable with reasonable firing schedules, you're probably not going to break this thing. I wouldn't worry about that. Um... For me, given the size of this thing, if I had this silencer, if I were you, like if any of you listening have this thing, the 30 caliber thing, I would run it on a 5.56. And I think it has pretty low back pressure, according to my analysis. And so with that, let's move into the next topic. Okay. Topic two at a time of 43 minutes. 
and 39 seconds i broke my pencil oh man <laughs> i switched to uh, <laughs> topic two <laughs> Uh, we are not going to make this in an hour. <laughs> Topic two, back pressure metric research update, revision two methodology, rugged rifle silencer case study two. Okay. I went ham. I told you last time I, that I was examining this data, and, I, and like I just said about the Explorer EX3, it had a super fast rise to peak positive phase impulse. I had never, ever seen something like that on a silencer that didn't have super low back pressure in anecdotal and field observation on semi-autos. Understand? So I immediately, it gave me pause immediately. Immediately. I don't know if it's because this silencer isn't that popular or what, but I had literally never heard of anyone saying this silencer was low back pressure. It had never popped in my circles as being mentioned. Nobody talks about it. I was like, all right, hold on. I am literally not able to verify any of this with any anecdotal info at all. And the last time I shot the silencer on a gas gun was several years ago. I don't remember there being any gas in my face at all. I think I would have remembered that. Um, but then again, you know, I shot it on someone's AR and then I shot it on my own. And mine was a mine was tuned. I, I So, yeah. I don't know. My memory can be spotty from several years ago. So I was like, okay, I better do my due diligence and ask some folks. Okay, I, I better I better investigate this further. So I did an Instagram story. <laughs> I'm an investigator. <laughs> no, I did a... I use social media. I got a lot of followers. They help. So I, I did an Instagram story question. I reached out um, to Griffin Armament, who I knew... Who, who knew... I had tested the silencer, and uh, they actually, to Griffin's credit, they they had been somewhat open to speaking with me, which was cool. Um, and at least Evan. Oh no, Austin did. Austin did message me. That's right. He he did PM me. Finally, yeah. So shout out to you guys. Hey, thanks. I appreciate you guys. Um, they mentioned that they thought the back pressure was pretty balanced for a silencer its size. Uh, and I thought, okay, that's good. That gives me some info. And I think Evan said that he ran it on a scar and it was decent. I was like, okay, that helps a little bit. That helps me. I was still unsure though. You know what I'm saying? So like I explained on the last podcast, I really started looking at the waveforms further and I started doing the math. And I started looking at the units and what is consistent and what I could add without adding too much. I don't want to add too much. I want to keep it simple. And so I looked at what I had considered looking at and what I had not considered looking at. And it turns out that the rate of impulse rise seems to also correlate with anecdotal experience and field test data. So I figured, okay. So if you didn't catch that, what I just said, the rate of impulse rise, not just the rise time, but the rate at which it gets there. I explained this last podcast. So I, I so what I did is I looked at the rate. I said, okay. Let's see how it would look if I consider that for every single silencer tested. And because, because, you know, when I do something, I apply it to everything. You cannot pick and choose, all right? When you use an analytical methodology, it has to be completely applicable to everything. That's the thing about this this this, this hypothesis I have. I, I cannot pick and choose. I can't be like, oh, well, it's only for this. Oh, no, it's only for that. It has to be universal. And if it's not, because it won't be useful if it's not. And I will throw it away if it, if it doesn't work. Probably, maybe. I won't throw it away, but I will shelve the 
hypothesis um, until we can v- validate it. So, uh, or I'm sorry, until we can we can prove it so it can be validated properly. So, so yeah, I, I really, I, I had to go back and look at everything. I had to go back and look at every single thing. So I did. So if you look at section six point, uh, section, okay, section 6.36.3. So review 36, section three, section three, of review 36, which is in section six of the Sonsor Sound Standard. Yeah, my numbering system is insane. Okay, so that's kind of what I walked through. I walk you through in section three of the review, if you scroll down past the, the chart with everything, go past the chart, past the trees. When you get to 6.36.3, detailed supersonic waveform comparisons and back pressure research. That's in the public version of the review. Okay, um, I took four silencers that all have pretty fast rise time to peak positive phase impulse, okay? One meter left of the muzzle. Excuse me, get some water. I am... I've been talking all day. Um, I plotted I plotted those four. I plotted the second shot from each of the silencers all on the same plot in impulse space, and I synced the time to pretty much the exact same start point so you can see how the durations compare. So if you look at the plot, figure 8A, in the review, you can see that I have numbered each curve and the number corresponds to the position in the race to reach peak impulse. First is the Explorer, actually. It's first. Then the same NK. Then the Hyperion K. Then the re- then the Resonator K. So those are the four I picked. Just, just because I wanted four real quick and I could have put some more in there. I, uh, I didn't want to clutter it. I wanted to make a point. That's what I'm trying to do. Um, and so with the original back pressure metric methodology in Rev1, when I was very simply considering the rise time to peak positive phase impulse, that would actually show that the Explorer AX3 has the lowest back pressure in the group. That threw a flag to me. I was like, ah, I don't know. It didn't pass a smell test. I was like, ah, God, I don't know. I've never heard of this silencer. They didn't market it like that. That can't be right. So I was like, um, I was like, did they know? Did they know that? Did they ever test the 30 caliber silencer on a 5.56? Did they just release this and not? Did they not mark? Did they not see what it would do? Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? I was thinking to myself, did they? I was like, uh, and or do they not test on semi autos? Did they only, you know? Uh, that can't be right. I was like, eh. I was like this. I was like, no, no, no. I need to really look dig into this. Um, because the same NK, we, I mean, people have said it doesn't increase cyclic rate that much. So I'm like, okay. So and I know the Hyperion K has pretty low back pressure for my testing, and I know the high, the Resonator K kind of does too. You know. So, I mean, that's why I put all these four on the plot, because I know all four of these silencers have pretty low back pressure. So, and they're all really different silencers. So I was like, okay, now let's see what else we can, what other information we can investigate to see how they're different. Um, so what happens when we look at the revision two of the back pressure metric now with these four silencers? What happens when we consider not only the time at which the positive phase impulse occurs, but the rate at which it gets there? Okay, things change. Things change, tell you what. And in this group of these four silencers, they change significantly. Take a look in that review at figure 8B. Okay, so it's a type of chart you've never seen before. 
um, I've kind of shown it in, uh, it, it's showing the back pressure metric relationship, but it's showing it in a format that might help you understand it spatially. Um, I, I, of course I've normalized it so you can, under, so you can get the bottom line it, and you can, don't get distracted with other numbers. And I've done it with revision one and revision two. I've normalized it to the resonator K because the resonator K has the highest postulated back pressure has the highest back pressure metrics in this group in both, both methods. Um, now you can see that the rev two metric changes these, the Hyperion K moves up from its super low back pressure postulation up to where the resonator K is close. I mean, not all the way, but close. Um, and the initial slope of the two silencers eh, is pretty similar. So that makes, I mean, that makes sense. I'm like, okay. The Explorer EX3 moves up a lot too, which seems reasonable, but it's lower than the Hyperion K. Okay. Well, you know, this might be due to the venting through the center of the baffles and due to a small size. It's really small. You can get, you're not trapping a lot of gas. So you can probably vent it faster so you can have less back pressure, right? Okay. So, you know, everyone always says, well, the bigger volume you have, the less back pressure. I'm like, that's not how this works, guys. <laughs> okay. Um, the, the more gas you trap, the more back pressure you have. That's how flow restriction works. Um, now, the ex the let's see yeah the salmon k moves down a little more compared to the resonator k um and you know why it does that and that and it's it's the only one of the group that went down and not up and the reason it did is because we we are not only taking into account the fast rise time now, but also um, the rate. So we're looking at the peak. And the same NK got so high, the only way to do that was to have a super fast rate. And that's why it, the revision 2 metric, which takes rate into account, dropped the same NK a little bit. Okay. So when I see this, I'm like, you know, so I thought, okay, I have a data set with both metrics and I can view the difference right here. Same plot. Does the Rev2 metric make sense? I think so. So far. So I did all the silencers. And you can see those in figure seven of the review. Um, well, at least the the compact silencers. I, I, I did the other ones too. I just haven't published a review with them. So you won't see that yet. Um, they are all pretty similar, you know, to the previous, uh, I guess, the places in which the back pressure metric fell for all of them, um, if you organize them by back pressure. But the, I think the Trash Panda is a little bit higher back pressure now, which makes a little more sense. Um, and then with the Rev2 metric, and then like, compared to the same NS, that is. 
which I, I, I use the Salmon S as kind of a peg point because I know a lot of people have said it's low back pressure. So I'm like, and I know a lot of people's experience with that silencer and my own experience with it on a semi-auto. So I'm like, okay, cool. And so when I see things being higher or lower than Salmon S, I'm like, okay, that like puts me in a practical, um, in, a, in a practical, uh, real good zone to understand. Like it's a good smell test. Okay, you know what I mean? And it's, it helps me. And it's been helping me. A lot of these silencers, because I've used them, especially the rugged silencers, help me too. Because I, And we'll get to that in a second. So, so yeah. Um, and the Razor is now just about... Just about a little bit, tiny bit higher Rev2 back pressure metric than the Salmon S, which... That... that probably jives this because the, the razor doesn't have the vent it has less baffles but it doesn't vent like the the salmon s does the salmon s has a big old hole in the middle and then um the surefire is actually a little bit above the razor but it's less than the trash panda now that one the surefire was that's a pretty big change that one jumped up in back pressure with the rev2 metric and frankly it basically shows that the Surefire is basically a Salmon S that's quieter, which I think is right. And that, I just, oh man, I think I'm just more comfortable with this. Like, I'm like, okay, that looks better. I'm like, that looks better. I think that's right. Um, so, I mean, that's what this shows. So, if this Rev2 back pressure metric is more accurate, it and it shows that the Surefire... Well, I guess it shows the Surefire SOCOM 762 RC2 make, would make something like the Salmon obsolete, but or Salmon S obsolete. But uh, I don't, didn't it come before the Salmon S though? I don't know, maybe not. I think it did. You get my point though. It's like it's like I think the Rev2 metric is capturing stuff that we really weren't quite capturing before. I think I think it's an improvement. You know, so you can see all the silencers and how they stack up. But, you know, so like, so what about the rugged stuff? Speaking of, like, field validation, right? So some of my original data from field case studies that helped me formulate the original back pressure metric was the rugged silencers. And I am very, very familiar with those silencers because I have used them and tuned guns for them. Like, personally. On, on 308 gas guns and 556 gas guns. And I know exactly how the rugged silencers behave. Like, I'm really familiar with them. So I applied the Rev2 metric to the rugged silencers too. And so look, okay, if you scroll down and you keep going in the next little subsection, there's a rugged rifle silencer back pressure case study in that review, in the Griffin review. And if you go to figure 9A, I plotted the rugged silencer impulse for every shot um, after first round pop for all the silencers, like except for the micro 30, cause I don't, I haven't tested the micro 30 on 308 bulk gun, but, but you have five curves to look at. Okay. You have the surge in long, long configuration, the surge in the short configuration, the radiant in the long configuration, the radiant in the short configuration and the razor. That's five silencers. Okay. So you have four shots with each silencer. Again, the first round pop is omitted because it'll it'll trick you because you can't rely on that due to the the extra combustion. So look at just the so it's like so there's 16 curves on that plot. Four for each, I'm sorry, 20. 
20, there's, <laughs> there's five, five silencers, four curves, each silencer, 20 total curves. Um, so right, you can all see them, and then they're color-coded. Okay, so I did, I, I did the same exact thing I did before. The same exercise I did for those four previous K silencers with the back pressure metric. So I went, and if you scroll down to figure 9B, you get another normalized back pressure metric comparison. Here I normalized the data to the rugged surge in the long configuration. Obviously high, the highest back pressure of the group. That's like, we know this. I know this. Verified. Um, you can see that the Rev 1 back pressure metric that's only based on rise time and the Rev 2 back pressure metric, which is now based on the relative slope, still give you the same answers, more or less. The back pressure numbers just shifted upward a little bit. Um, the radiant and the razor, more than the short surge and the radiant short. Um, but they all shifted up, and they all still hold very similar relative relationships, indicating that the baffle shape and the silencer type does, in fact, influence flow type. And I think I was looking at another waveform parameter. The rate, and not just the rise time, is going to be powerful. Okay, and I spoke about this last time, guys, why I thought that the rugged silencers did this, and it's because they are all very similar to each other. So the, so remember earlier in the podcast, I was talking about the Griffin silencer and how it has a weird flow and it causes weird oscillations. Like that wasn't just because, oh, it has X many baffles and it's just like a rugged razor, but it doesn't know. It, it's, it's shaping the flow in a weird way. The rugged silencers all pretty much shape flow similarly. And because of that, it is coincidental that the rise time is coincident with a, I'm sorry, as rise time gets shorter, it is coincident that amplitude gets higher and the change in those two quantities for all the rugged rifle silencer models seem to be almost proportional. So that's why the Rev 1 back pressure metric and the Rev 2 back pressure metric are so similar for the rugged silencers because they're really simple silencers. They're literally scaled. That's why. And that's why the Rev 1 back pressure metric had has issues capturing the phenomenon i think with different silencer designs because different silencer designs shape flow differently okay that's that's the bottom line here i think that's a, t a good takeaway for you i know it's a lot um and then this is a, that's it for right now for right now for this update it still needs more field testing, still needs high-speed cameras, still needs all kinds of stuff. Theory is evolving. More test data is being examined. You, fo you know, folks are sending them their experiences to me so I can 
kind of get a feel for like how far I am off of stuff. Um, I did note in the review that if you have any data that you would like to share that would be helpful, please send it to techapuscience.com or use the form on the website. I would be greatly appreciative of that, okay? Okay. Yeah. Let's go on topic three. Topic three, a time of one hour, three minutes, and 38 seconds. Oh, man. So, oh, so, yeah, this is a... I'm going to go pretty quick. You know, the sound sound signature, is it subjective? Probably not really. No. I just wanted to answer this question for everyone on the podcast because I've, I've, I've heard this... I've read this. I've heard this come up a few times recently. A lot of people say words like, your mileage may vary and you... It's subjective and... You know, what sounds good to you might not sound good to someone else. No, that's not true. (laughs) This isn't like your favorite color, dude. Like this is, if you have, okay, now, if you have hearing damage, yes, you're going to have altered hearing. But you're not the norm, okay? You're not the norm. And so you are the exception, you are the exception. And for the most part, if something seems louder to someone, it's also louder to you. And, and to me. That's the way the human ear works. Um, this is why we use the suppression rating for silencers. And that this is why people in the auditory field, uh, the human auditory field, use other quantities for other types of sound because we know that the human ear responds in a certain way. Like when you go to the doctor, you ever been to the doctor and get a hearing test? They play a steady. They play steady state tones, and they can do this because they know you're human, and you have human ears. There are outliers. Some people have really, really good hearing. Some have really, really bad hearing. But if you compare two sounds, and one's louder, and one's quieter, people know that. Um, now the frequency content can shift some stuff if stuff is really close together. Okay, and we and, and some members have seen that in some of our research supplements. Now that's different. When you start getting silencers that are really close together in sound, and then and then then hearing damage can start to matter a little bit. But it but the chances of it swaying your opinion are pretty low unless the silencers are really 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 close in sound signature, which would then mean that who cares because they sound pretty much the same. So we're not having the conversation. Okay. So, I just wanted to touch on it. It usually comes about when people start taking um, old silencer data, you know, like YouTube stuff, um, and making excuses as to why it's not right. Like, the fact of the matter is, if the data was measured correctly, it's rare that it is. But if it is, okay, let's just pretend. Pretend for the sake of argument that the data is measured correctly. Okay. If the data was measured correctly, it's not that it's wrong. It's that the people giving it to you, they're not interpreting it directly. So they're not giving you the data they should be giving you. It's not, you just can't put peak values on the table and say, hey, this is 141 dB. It's a quiet silencer. That's meaningless, dude. Stop. So, um, so, is, so in summary, is sound subjective? Only people's description of sound is subjective. Put 10 people in front of two guns. Shoot one that is louder with a lower suppression rating, and all 10 people are going to agree that it's louder. That's how that works. Okay. 
Topic four, a time of one hour, seven minutes, and 21 seconds. The AAC Illusion 9. Man, this thing's wild. Silencer. I've been playing with this thing. It's a pistol silencer, 9mm. If only my SIG P210 barrel would arrive. It's in uh, United States Postal Service limbo, guys. It's BS, man. And I'm pretty sure the other two guys already got theirs. I know one of them did because... Look, I'm going to post I'm gonna post the photo of the unicorn missing its horn. All right? I'm going to post it on a SIG P226 sitting right next right next to the SIG P210 on my gun bench. I just had it on, on my gun bench. I was like, yeah, I'll take a picture of that. I'll put it, up, put it on, on, on the gram there. Um, Instagram. Haven't shot it yet. Literally haven't had any free time to shoot the dang silencer, so I'm still... I'm still waiting on that P210 barrel. My buddy got his barrel, man. He posted a video of him shooting it too. So rub it in my face. <laughs> nah, he was excited. He should be. Um, it sucks. I tracked the package and it says it's arriving late. What does that even mean? It's like, your package is arriving late. I'm like, I know that. Like, like I know. Well, tell me where it is. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, guys. Well, I understand they're backed up. So there was a snow thing. So anyway. Topic five, a time of one hour, eight minutes, and 49 seconds. <laughs> thank you. Welcome to new Pew Science members, and thank you for your support. Thank you to everyone. I really do mean that. Thank you so much for your patience while I continue to release data and while you wait for some popular silencers to be tested. Um, I cannot wait to get back out in the field. Man, make that happen for you. Some some cool stuff on the horizon. Rifle, pistol, semi-auto, full auto, all kinds of stuff. Um, welcome to our newest manufacturer supporter. That was exciting. That happened recently. Um, so shout out to Swiss CNC. Um, they make a lot of the stuff for uh, several silencer companies. Um so they're actually like a manufacturer. They make made make things, and from what I told, from what I'm told, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. They uh, make some some neat stuff. I think they make a lot of the mounts and stuff, things like that. Um, I'm not sure, but I would assume. Um, so shout out to those guys. They told me they wanted to support Pew Science, and they asked me how they could do it. And I said, "Hey, man, first of all." I'm honored. Second of all, go to the website. It's all right there. So thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate you. That's amazing. I'm glad to have you in my corner, and I hope the information I provide is useful to you guys. You know, those guys, they're gun, they're gun guys, man. They want to know what the best silencers are. You know, so it's awesome. Um, so all right, folks, I am signing off for now. Uh, stay safe, and I'll talk to you folks again soon. All right, bye.